Why, hello there. Thank you for checking out the Best of Podcast for this week. My name is Greg Hoffman, but you knew that because there is literally no way you accidentally clicked on this. Uh, This week, two enormous Redskins stories. Uh, The reporting from our own, and by our, I mean 106.7 The Fans, Chris Russell and Brian McNally, Grant Paulson contributing as well, that Scott McLuhan was sent home on February 20th and has not been a part of the Redskins since in terms of the decision-making processes around the NFL Combine and as lead scout is not at the NFL Combine. There are a lot more complications there. Get into that and also one interview with Brian McNally. There will actually be two interviews with Brian McNally because on Sunday – the Redskins had announced, or actually hadn't really announced yet, but had uh, it has been reported thoroughly and confirmed that the Redskins signed Jay Gruden to a two-year contract extension. So you'll get Chris Russell on that and his original story, uh, McNally on that, Mike Jones of the Washington Post, or as you'll hear, WAPO on that. In Baltimore, they call it the WAPO. And, and then uh, another topic that people seem to really, really like uh, about the U.S. Soccer Federation's decision to make players Stand respectfully, quote-unquote, for the anthem. That's all on what will be a very long podcast. Buckle up, kids. It's time to drive. Good evening, Craig Hopper, with you here on Overtime. 106.7, the fan, the station that was at the center of one of the biggest stories in football today, thanks to reporting by Brian McNally and Chris Russell. You'll hear from both of them throughout the show. Brian will join us live from Indianapolis coming up at 7.30 where he is for the NFL Combine. As this story came to be, I was made aware of it the other night after I actually came uh, in studio after the Warriors-Wizards game uh, with Russell. I parked my car over here, so I was coming on with him after the game and the day that Kirk got franchised and obviously that game, the the Warriors-Wizards game was a big deal. So I came in studio with Chris for a little bit that night and he kind of filled me in on one of the breaks. Like, hey, have you heard anything? Because we've got, this is what I was told last week. And sure enough, you know, 24 hours later, stuff started happening. We got confirmation that McLuhan wasn't at the combine. Uh, McNally got that confirmation. Things started moving and, uh, not long after Chris was going with with what he was told by a very reliable source a little bit ago, or I guess last week, on this very show. And the more I thought about it, the more I parsed through what I knew and and, uh, the possibilities of what is happening, I kept coming back to one thing. There's one of two possibilities here. And either way, the lack of humanity that the Washington Redskins organization is showing their general manager is appalling to me. There's a lot of fake outrage in sports and in sports media about things that don't matter. I pick your controversy of the week, turn on first take, and watch someone get really upset about something that doesn't matter. When humanity gets involved, we have a reason to be upset. Because addiction is a disease. It is no different than cancer. It is no different than diabetes. 
It is no different than any number of other diseases. It is a disease. And it is a beast. It is an absolute beast. And Scott McLuhan suffers from alcohol addiction. Now, whether he is currently in that disease's grip or not, as in, is he currently drinking? I don't know. None of us do. None of us have claimed to. But whether he is or not, the Redskins' silence in whether he is or not bothers me at a level that I, I, it's hard for me to put into words. Because by trying to sweep it under the rug, again, whether true or not, by, by not avoiding it, or by avoiding it, by not talking about it, what you have created is a vacuum that will be filled with speculation. And like every other vacuum around this franchise over the last 25 years that has existed because their PR strategy makes no sense, continues to make no sense, and continues to never change, the speculation goes across the entire spectrum. So let's play it out both ways. What if the worst is true? And again, I'm going to be annoyingly clear on this. I am not saying it is. I'm purely in hypothetical land here and will explain both sides. So if it is true, and what Chris Cooley said on ESPN 980 a month ago, six weeks ago, is true that Scott McLuhan is, is drinking again. The fact that there was no rebuttal from the organization is shameful. If Scott McLuhan is clean, then you stand up for your guy. You come out and you, you have a statement crafted Directly, but with empathy. Addiction is an incredibly difficult disease for which we knew Scott McLuhan has previously fought. Scott continues to fight this disease. Alcoholism is one that never goes away. We support Scott in his daily fight in so, to, to be sober, appreciate his work, will continue to support him, and look forward to continue working with him as our general manager. That should have come out six weeks ago if what Chris Cooley said was not true. If it is true, for the love of humanity, get him help. Because apparently none of this became a problem, if it's true, though it started affecting the football operation. Do you not care about him as a person? If he has a problem, then you address the problem. If he doesn't have a problem, come out and say he doesn't have a problem. Again, I don't know which one it is. But either way, the silence to me is stunning and, and shows a complete lack of understanding for what Scott McLuhan or any other addict deals with. And again, I am saying this with absolutely no negative thoughts, vibes, in con uh, connotation towards addiction. It is a disease. I would be saying the same thing if it was cancer. And the thing is, the Redskins are not. Could you imagine if there was this kind of speculation and Scott McLuhan had cancer? 
Of course not. It'd be ridiculous. Why would you hide that? Because the reaction of people would be one of empathy. Oh my God, that's awful. It is no different. It's a, addiction's a monster, man. And so, if it's true, you show, the way that you, you show that there is no stigma, the way that you do show empathy is by expressing that empathy for it. And if it's not true, it is imperative that you, you stand up for your guy and say, this is not, we will not stand for someone insinuating this because we know what he is fighting on a daily basis and we are so proud of him and we are thrilled with his ability to fight this disease and regain his life and career, which is the opportunity we gave him. Because we believed he could do that. And that is why we hired him to be our general manager. And we are thrilled with the work he's done. No matter which way it is, somewhere on that spectrum, the Washington Redskins have failed Scott McLuhan. And just as sad as that is that it's completely and wholly unsurprising. I got here to cover this team in August of 2015. You could argue that since then, it's been about the smoothest year and a half that they've had in 25 years. It's over. The, the smooth ride is over. Because at the very least, the general manager brought in to be the head scout is not at the most important scouting event of the year. And at worst, it is worse. And because this organization does not believe in any form of transparency, even when it is to their benefit, we don't know what it is. And that's, again, to the detriment of not just us as fans and media who would like to know what is going on with an organization that so many of you, the fans... And so many of us in the media care a lot about. It's a disservice to them. They're not helping themselves. And they are completely and totally unable to realize that. I'm Craig Hoffman. Our Redskins beat reporter is Brian McNally. He's live in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. The only radio outfit from this city there is us. And Brian is us there. BMAC, uh, I'm sure it's been a crazy day. Like, do you, do you know which way is up, down, which way is left, right? Are you okay? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm okay, Craig. I got uh, <laughs> not not much sleep the last couple of nights, but uh, that's okay. It's part of the uh, part of the territory. You know that going in. If you're a reporter, you know how it is. You, yeah. you have days where uh, you're up for 22 hours and uh, don't know what's up and what's down, or even what day it is. But uh, today was a little more low-key, I think. Uh, you know, the Redskins responded to some things, but, you know, otherwise not not near the craziness of the last couple of days. Yeah, chasing the story. And I told you this via text. I told Russell the same thing via text. Now I'm going to embarrass you and say it on the air. I'm proud to call you guys colleagues. The work you guys have done on this is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, and, of course, you can read the full reporting at thefandc.com and everything else Brian is doing in Indianapolis. So let's try to spin this forward a little bit. I know you've been asked a bunch today about kind of the basis of the reporting. I feel like that's established at this point. 
Um, so trying to fill in some of the details here, Scott McLuhan was sent home on February 20th. But in the draft prep process, do you have any idea of how involved he was, even if it's from home? Uh, I mean, not a great sense. I do know I didn't talk to Bruce today myself just because this place is massive and he was on Radio Row while I was on the other side of the building uh, in the convention center here in Indy. But he did tell uh, some reporters, I think it was Ben Standig um, who covers the team. I, I don't know. I may have that wrong. If I, I, I know that he's, he's Ben did have an exclusive chat with with Bruce. He got some questions in, yeah, and and I think um, you know I, I think the, the the I guess the takeaway from there was that that Scott was still involved um, in the process, and and I don't I don't think we ever reported that that he wasn't involved at all. Um, you know, I, I he listened. I saw him at the combine. He was grinding down there, watching practices and, and doing all the stuff he, he normally does. So, you know, if that's changed maybe in the past couple of weeks, I can't necessarily say, um, you know, I, I do, I do think Bruce said on one of those radio shows he did today that, uh, that Scott was doing exactly what he said, still kind of prepping, still, um, preparing, uh, for the draft and that, you know, that, that that's his talent skill. That's obviously his skill set. Uh, so that would make sense. Um, but, you know, I, I can't speak to it much more than that, though. Yeah, I, and just you said the combine. I know you meant senior bowl, and I know you haven't slept. So I'll just I'll clean that up for you, yeah. and then we'll, we'll keep moving. Um, at, the importance of Scott McClellan being at the combine is he is has such a feel for talking to players. Um, and so him not being there is a massive deal, surely from a football sense, no matter the circumstances. So who takes on that role now when they have their 60 meetings with players? Do we have any idea of who is going to be leading those meetings and how that information then gets factored into the uh, the scouting process? Yeah, I mean, it, but it's different, though, Craig, cause, because Scott, that's that's his style, right? He's he's an upfront guy. He wants to know what, what makes players tick. And he has a knack. He's just very, very good at uh, kind of getting to the heart of who somebody is um, and then kind of adjusting his draft board accordingly. Uh, you know, he did that. I mentioned this earlier, but he, he did that with uh, with Junior Gallette when he signed him two summers ago, right? You, I think you remember that. Where, yeah. Where, oh, yeah. You know, he brought Junior in and kind of really got like an intense conversation about... I mean, in a lot uh, of ways, that's where the In Scott We Trust thing be. came from, was was his ability in that conversation. Everyone's like, oh, man, he can just tell. In Scott We Trust, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's part of what what this has all been a, a, about and why, why I think he's so good at, at this uh, kind of elusive skill. So that's really interesting to me that, um, that he has that, but I don't know that any other Redskin front office guy has that necessarily. I mean, these guys are, are obviously people who know football. I mean, Scott Campbell uh, is their top amateur scout and, and knows this stuff inside and out has been doing it a long time. So, you know, you, you, when you get all these guys in a room, I, I think they're capable of, of running the interviews and asking the questions. Doug Williams is in there. Jay Gruden, I saw, was going to the meetings last night. Uh, Wes Phillips was going in, the tight ends coach. I mean, it, there's a lot of guys going in um, who can who can play that role. Scott is just uniquely suited to it. Um, and so I, I would think no matter who takes over, you, you would miss that a little bit if he's not here. Brian McNally, our Redskins beat reporter, with us live here on Overtime. Brian in Indianapolis for the scouting combine. 
Um, I think one of the interesting things that's kind of come out over the last year and a half uh, about Scott McLuhan is his relationships with these players. And whether it be a Junior Gallette or a Josh Norman or, or whoever else, it's, it's so telling when you hear these guys talk about Scott, the respect that they have for him. So now with him out of the equation for the combine, do you think that affects how players perceive the Redskins organization not being able to make that that connection with McLuhan? Or can a guy like Jay Gruden perhaps fill that void? I think, you know, if on a day-to-day basis, they're, they're going to be dealing with Jay more often. So I think especially for offensive players, I, I think that's probably true. I think the Scott thing maybe comes in into play, Craig, when you're talking about overall organizational um, function, you know, how, how a place functions, because they must look at that and go, wait, that's weird. That doesn't make sense. They're going to have the same questions we do. I mean, we don't know all the specifics here. Uh, the Redskins aren't divulging them. We know the, the basics of what Scott said, and we know what our report said, but we don't know where they go from here, and we don't know um, in, as the free agent market opens up how agents and uh, players in other teams will view the Redskins. Do they see it as a um, as a as, as you know kind of a a weird place that that doesn't have a good dynamic where the coach is in his fourth year and you know could be in trouble if he doesn't have a good season? Um, you know that that stability that you're looking for as a player, uh, or do they see it as uh, you know the the team that won 17 games over two years and is slowly a- accumulating talent and getting better? Um, and you know, that a place where maybe they re-signed Kirk Cousins and you know what you're going to get here. I think, you know, certain agents will, will see it one way and others will, will see an opportunity, but I don't think it can help. I'll say that. I mean, you're looking at it and saying, uh, where's the GM? Why is he not allowed to, to talk to the media and all that? The, the stuff the Redskins can't say to us or don't want to say to us, they better be saying to players and agents because, um, those guys are going to have decisions to make. If, and if, if they don't like what they hear, they'll go somewhere else where the uh, the money is just as good. Brian McNally with us on the fan. Um, both from a, a practical, like, in-the-room standpoint and from an environment standpoint, what is this story and whatever instability we believe that there is, uh, what impact does that have on the Kirk Cousins negotiations? So a, a better worded way to ask that would be, how involved would Scott McLuhan be in a Kirk Cousins contract negotiation in the negotiations themselves? And then how does Kirk's uh, vision of what this team is change with this story? Yeah, that that's a good question because I think you, you parsed that well there. I, I don't think Scott's not the money man, right? That's Bruce's right. job. That's Eric Schaefer's job. They hammer out the contracts. They, they figure out how to structure things. Um, you know, Scott's been in the past anyway, has been able to tell them, you know, uh, you know, what kind of players he wants on the team, uh, who he'd like to be in the building, uh, you know, philosophically, would I give that guy that much money? Yes. No. Uh, it, it almost more of an advisory role, I guess, but, but those two men are, are the guys and they were the ones meeting with, uh, with Kirk's agent last night, Mike McCartney, um, uh, you know, here in Indy that I, I think that matters more just in the in the actual hammering out of a contract um you know i i don't think you can look at it i I don't think scott plays a a huge factor there what where it does play a factor is is kind of then what we talked about a minute ago is does kirk look at this differently and go wait a minute now you know i'm not sure how long the coach will be here just because you know fourth year and, and there's a lot of pressure on this season um and then you know if if something goes south is the gm gone too what, you know, if that lack of stability, I think it has to kind of 
play on you a little bit because it's it, players crave that they want that they want a stable environment um and if they're not assured of it uh it, it has to alter their thinking a little bit so i think it, in the the day that the actual contract not that much but the overall do i want to be here probably has to have some effect i would i would imagine the reporting for the conversations you just referenced last night is that they went something like this hey kirk will you guys take uh, $20 million a year, uh, Kirk's side back. No, we're looking for 24, and that's where the negotiations start. So what what do you think of the likelihood, after hearing that, of tw- at least $20 million is, is close to a respectable offer as opposed to what they gave him uh, relative to what he was worth last year? Um, what, what do you think, uh, or does that change your thinking at all in, in terms of where we're going long-term deal, hearing that is where the negotiations started? Yeah, I mean... It- I think I do feel like I flipped a little bit the last two days because the the Redskins clearly had a concerted effort to come out and say that they wanted Kirk Cousins back. Jay Gruden came out, said it, uh, was very optimistic that they'll get a deal done. Um, Bruce Allen as well was pretty emphatic today on his radio shows that he did um, that, that they were going to get a deal done. He told me in Mobile that, that he was confident that people were kind of being too pessimistic about it. Um, This kind of shows that the Redskins, uh, are willing to start at a at a number that even though Kirk's side can dismiss it, you know, right off the bat, I, I don't think this is anywhere near the Redskins' best offer. That would be bad negotiating. So, um, you know, so now they have to figure out um, over the next say four months, can they, you know, by July 14th, if they finally get up to their best offer, whatever, and they, I'm sure they know what it is. I know, I'm sure they know what number. Uh, will work for them with the type of player Kirk is. Um, and they just have to ask themselves, if we get there, do we think he'll take it? And if he will, and it, it sounds like they're reasonably sure he will, then then okay. Then it works out. You paid more than you would have if you got it done last year, but he's on the team long term. The, the risk there is if you get to that point and suddenly realize, oh, he has no intention of signing here. And Jay Gruden referenced that yesterday. Craig, when he said he doesn't have to take our money, I mean he can right. he could hold out for anything he wants, and then the Redskins uh, are up a creek a little bit because they'll have gone that far into the process, and you know then we'll quickly realize I think that they're not getting their quarterback back. They may have him for 2017, but they won't be having him for 2018. Brian, great work on all this stuff. Appreciate you coming on here tonight. I know it's been a crazy couple of days for you. Uh, we'll talk to you. I'll probably talk to you this weekend as you, as you wrap up all your thoughts and stuff from the Combine and get back here to D.C. Safe travels, my man, uh, and enjoy the rest of your time in Indy. Sounds good, Craig. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's Brian McNally, our Redskins beat reporter. Again, you can read him at thefandc.com. Follow him at bmcnally14. And just for the next couple of days, like you probably just want to set up mobile alerts. Every time McNally tweets, you, you probably want to know about it. Um, he's, he's killing it out there. On March 5th in 2017, it is rare that we can actually come to you on the radio and tell you something that you didn't already know. But I think there's a lot of people that are going to wake up this morning and, and slumber over to their cars to get started on their Sunday chores or to, uh, to church or wherever. And they're going to go, wait, the Redskins did what? Because I didn't see, even though John Kine from ESPN was the first one on the story, I didn't, did, did you get an ESPN alert on that from your phone? Or was the, the, the alerts department not working at 1130 on a Saturday night? They weren't, weren't for me. I didn't wake up to it. It wasn't until uh, I heard driving in with uh, CBS Sports. I, I got on 
uh, Twitter this morning and I woke up and one of the first tweets I saw was something from Mike Jones, who Mike might join us later. It's going to depend on a plane situation as he's getting ready to leave Indianapolis. Um, hopefully McNally will be able to join us at some point in the show too. But yeah, I kind of expected smooth sailing this morning and not needing a bunch of guests to talk about news that was breaking again. Um, but I got on Twitter this morning and saw Mike Jones tweet. And it's like Redskins have agreed to a two-year extension with Jay Gruden. Wait, what the what? And this is a... So it, this news is interesting from that perspective. And in terms of releasing it at 11.30 or having it get reported at 11.30 on a Saturday night, I'm not going to, despite my well-documented disdain for much of the Redskins PR strategy, not understanding when to put out both good news and bad news. That's not really on the Redskins. Like, Kime reported when he found his stuff out, he reported it. It happened to be at 1130. It's a huge story, so he didn't wait on it till the morning. I get it. But there's a lot to parse out here through why this happened now. A lot of stuff happens at the Combine, and it's basically a giant league get-together. And we're talking agents, active players, obviously the players that are going to be in the league soon as rookies, uh, coaches, general managers, other front office personnel, scouts, and all of their agents are all in Indianapolis this week. And so something like this, some piece of business getting done, you know, the week before the, the league year starts is wholly unsurprising other than this would have been really helpful about two months ago. If the Redskins, and there's some other factors at play here too that we, we need to remember that make this slightly more complicated, and this will tie back into the McLuhan story, which is what I thought we'd probably spend most of the time talking about this morning, and we'll still touch on it because really the Redskins as a whole is going to dominate the show. Uh, and, and your thoughts on what is going on at 800-636-1067. The reality is one of the big questions the Redskins faced when trying to hire coordinators after they fired Joe Barry and then lost Sean McVay to Los Angeles. And, and, and really, it's more on the defensive side because the offensive plan was always to stay in-house. So Matt Cavadaugh was going to get hired pretty much no matter what. But when it came to replacing Joe Barry, one of the things that made it hard to recruit good candidates is that no one knew if Jay Gruden was going to be here. Well, now Jay Gruden signs a two-year extension. He's got three years left on his deal, which is really like two years, because just like this year, where he's in year four of five, you don't let coaches go into the final year of their deal. So this was going to be a make-or-break year, and either after the year, the thought was, Gruden would get fired or he'd get extended. Instead, the Redskins do this now. Why? It seems rather straightforward in some respect. Well, you did this too late to help you get a different defensive coordinator, and I do think they liked Greg Minuski more than perhaps everyone else does. So perhaps they didn't even see it as settling. You know, they lose out on some of the higher-profile candidates, but in the end, like, they're cool with Minuski. But they didn't really give themselves Max chance 
to get those other guys because Gruden, his future was uncertain. The straightforward reason of why they do this now is it's the only thing they could do to seem like they have any stability going forward as they try to re-sign Kirk Cousins. I said on Thursday when I was in for overtime, and we're talking about the McLuhan story, if I was Kirk Cousins, there's next to no amount of money that you could give me right now for me to sign on. I'm at least, like, if they offered me $30 million, I'd say, let's, let's wait a couple of weeks and let me see how this plays out. Because I'm not tying myself to this franchise at a time when it's in complete and total disarray. I want to know if Scott's going to be the one building this roster. And if he's not, who is? I'm, I want to know that there's not some power struggle going on because the team president is more concerned with credit than actual results. There's a lot of things that, that I'd want to know if I was Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins seems like the kind of guy that's interested in those things as much or more than money. So... Signing, and by the way, when it comes to the people he is most closely aligned to within the organization, Jay Gruden is the highest on that list. I think that even the relationship between Gruden and Cousins was probably even tighter than it was between, for instance, Cousins and McVeigh. Now, Matt Cavanaugh is a huge part and has been essential to that quarterback room the past two years. And so... Ensuring that Gruden is going to be the head coach, which then ensures that Matt Cavanaugh is probably, as long as the results are there, going to be the offensive coordinator, lays a platform that says, we are setting up our football operation for you, Kirk Cousins, to be successful. You have people that believe in you and a system that you are exceptional in. To me, that seems like the underlying motivation in doing this. But it's done at a time when the general manager isn't in the building. And as Mike Jones wrote this morning in the Washington Post, I think it's good for clarification's sake, Scott McLuhan's not in charge of hiring coaches at any point, no matter how in the building or not in the building or in control or out of control he is. It was never part of his hierarchy, the people underneath him. Not true. Gruden and McVeigh or Gruden and uh, McLuhan are essentially on the same same level of the hierarchy, both of whom report to Bruce Allen. But the the thought was that the three of them collaborate on all decisions, a three branches of government style of operation, and for something like an extension for Gruden that Allen and McLuhan would be on the same page. Clearly, this seems to have been done. Oh, it, it seems to have been done without Scott. Who knows? Maybe McLuhan was consulted on the phone. We don't know. These are details we can hope to find out in the coming days. But it is a vote of confidence for part of a football operation that has produced the best two consecutive seasons under Dan Snyder. And it is why, for the first time under Daniel Snyder's ownership, a coach got an extension. Mike, thanks for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. I know you're running around. You're, you're actually attempting to make it out of Indianapolis alive, literally, after the news of the week. 
Um, I would ask, let's start with this. When you found out last night that Jay Gruden had signed a two-year extension, was that a surprise to you? Um, it, it was a little bit of a surprise in that you don't normally give a guy an extension before his fourth year when he's going into year five you know, four out of five. Normally it's kind of after or late in the year. But just the way that Gruden was, and I had said that to uh, Jason Reed and um, my buddy Master Sebastian, just the way Gruden was this week, he didn't act like a guy who was worried about, you know, stressed about, okay, they don't have this quarterback situation resolved. You don't know where the freaking general manager is. You don't know if they're going to re-sign the top two wide receivers. And he just seemed like he was calm and, just, you know, and so – I was just like, have they told him that, you know, don't worry, you're going to be okay no matter what happens this year, um, but hadn't gotten it from anybody yet that there were contract talks. Um, but, hey, maybe he had heard something, and then, boom, they took care of it last night. So it makes sense the way Gruden was. But, yeah, it's kind of surprising that they did it this early. And then I, I kind of avoided the easy PR pot shot because, you know, when, when guys like you and, and John and, and Brian are reporting this at 1130 on Saturday night, um, it's not like they said, hey, let's make the announcement at 1130 on Saturday night. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that this this happens. And then this also comes a week after Chris Russell had reported that John or that Jay Gruden has more power in the organization now um, then perhaps even Scott McLuhan. And, and I guess my question with that is, is that us learning more that he has more power or is the power dynamic changing within the organization between the three-pronged piece of McLuhan, Allen, Gruden? Well, I mean, Dan Snyder obviously has all power. Right. Um, Bruce Allen is close to all power. I think he kind of just like, I don't know if he does, you know, Somehow he got Dan Snyder to believe in him and let him run the show. Um, but I think that as Gruden goes along, he does earn more credibility. Um, and, you know, there's been issues and friction here and there. You know, we, we've, everybody who has covered the team um, has talked about this with Snyder and McLuhan and then this past week with stuff. So I think that Jay's position is strengthening. Um, I did talk to him one night um, just kind of about, you know, and, you know, how they have to proceed without Scott here. And he's like, I've done this before, man. I mean, like, we've gone through drafts before. You know, we'll be okay. We've got enough guys. Um, and, you know, he is. I mean, he's, you know, going into his fourth year as a head coach. Uh, this is the third draft um, that it was the third, no, I guess fourth draft that he'll have been a part of. Uh, the first one without, was without Scott McLuhan. So he is getting more experienced. Um, you know, you can't argue that the team – you know, back-to-back winning seasons. They they could have been better than what they were uh, this past year, but they did indeed have winning seasons. So I think that just his weight, his voice is carrying more weight with Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder. Um, I know Scott McClune really values his opinion as well, and that just happens over time as you continue to establish yourself in the league and with an organization. Mike Jones of the Washington Post with me, Craig Hoffman, here this morning on 106.7 The Fan. All right, uh, ask you the same question about the other story of the week that I started with, with the Gruden extension. When, when Chris reported earlier this week that McLuhan had not been at Redskins Park uh, since February 20th and been sent home. I mean, a lot of, I know that Chris had been working on that story for a while and was trying to get it confirmed with multiple sources and then obviously got to a point where he did and was able to publish it. So I'm curious if that came as a surprise to you, whether you were also trying to confirm and had heard the same thing. Um, at, at what point did you find out that Scott McLuhan uh, had not been around? Well, there, 
I, I think they're differing stories. Um, I've heard it a little different than Chris's. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, but I mean, there's so many different people and pieces and everything. So you, you don't know, you know, there it's definitely true. He was not there at Redskins Park. I heard that he was not sent away from Redskins Park, but um, that he departed from there um, for some reasons. And, you know, we're still trying to get to the bottom of the true reasons. Um, nobody believes that it's because his grandmother died on February 6th. Right. Um, you know, his brother, his brother is here at the Combine. Um so it's kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, it, it was a surprise just because, you know, I had some agents hitting me up saying, well, what's going on with Scott? And I had, you know, checked in with him uh, last week and, you know, he said that he was all good. And so when, you know, agents are like, what's up with Scott? And you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, I mean, I'm hearing that he's not there. And, you know, you're like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, and so right. that's why I think our eyes were really peeled here at the combine because, he normally has the same routine every single year. I always know where I can find him, um, you know, as he goes from the interviews to the hotel and things like that, and he just wasn't around. And so once you continue digging and digging, uh, finally Wednesday night was able to get somebody to, you know, because, you, know, you know, obviously they want to keep it hush-hush that there's some, some stuff going on. But, you know, it, it is kind of interesting that they're having one of their most tumultuous weeks with people criticizing him for not getting a deal done with Cousins, uh, with the Scott McLuhan stuff, and then they uh, – go out here and give Jay Gruden an extension. Um, you know, the timing of it is a little curious. I do think it's the right move, but uh, you can't just help but look at it and think, okay, here's another uh, distraction right here and some maybe something that'll earn some goodwill in the eyes of the fans. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to, to ask you about next. In, at the end of the day, I agree with you. This is a good decision, but it almost feels like it was one done out of desperation to try to, you know, put some feet back under their or some ground back under their feet that to slow down all this criticism. Like, look, hey, we are stable. But if they were thinking about this, why would they have not done this much closer to after the season? And do you think it would have affected their chances to land a different defensive coordinator in reality? Or is that just a nice storyline that we can throw out there as a hypothetical? No, 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 that's true. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people, that that was definitely something that was in the minds of guys who were interviewing for this job. You're wondering, okay, well, you know, I like Jay Gruden. Uh, I think he's a good coach, but his franchise, you know, right now he's got this year, he's got to prove himself, and we don't know if he's going to be here beyond that. So why would I sign here when I could sign somewhere else that's getting a four to five year contract. And I know that I'm not going to have to move my family after one year. Um, you know, that was definitely something that was in the mind of Wade Phillips, of Gus Bradley, of other guys that they wanted to interview. They ended up going with Minuski. And I know that members of the coaching staff upon seeing this contract extension are, you know, you know, it's the NFL and nothing is for certain, but they're a little bit relieved and encouraged that, okay, it's good to see that they're taking care of Jay um, in their minds. And, you know, I talked to Mike Zimmer, who is a good friend of Jay Gruden's head coach in the Vikings. He didn't care about the timing of it. He just said Jay has earned it. Um, and so that that was a good thing for the Redskins coaches to see um, because, yeah, um, a lot of guys were kind of hesitant of coming here uh, because of the stability and, and questions about Jay. But now that question's erased, and it should help them in free agency as well because you know that the head coach is going to be here for a while. Last question for Mike Jones of the Washington Post here on The Fan. I'm Craig Hoffman with you. Sunday's 9 to noon. Today, 9 to 1 is Nats baseball coming up at 1 o'clock here on The Fan. 
Um, and, and that would be the, I guess, the last obvious question remaining of what does this do for the Kirk negotiations, not only for how Cousins and his side feels about the organization now knowing that the coach that has believed in him and has engineered this system around him uh, is going to be there, but also from the organization side, knowing that Jay's opinion, which we know is very high of Kirk, is one that is going to be carrying weight because he's going to be here. Yeah, I think that that is, is probably a thing that um, will stand out with Kirk. Um, you know, you hear them say, we want you. But in the back of your mind, you're like, well, Jay Gruden wanted me. I don't know about you, Bruce Allen. I know, know about you, Dan Snyder. You guys wanted to stick with RG3 when he was stinking up the joint and Jay Gruden and Scott McLuhan had to stand on the table to get you a switch from me. So I don't know if you don't really like my head coach that much. Do you really want me? Or you know? And so now that you see, okay, we're taking care of your head coach, we can assure you that you know who's going to be here. Why go somewhere else where you don't know how you're going to deal with that head coach and that whole organization? Um, you know, it, it's a good bargaining chip um, for Kirk Cousins. I mean, for the Redskins as they continue to talk to Kirk Cousins for a long-term deal. Mike Jones, read him in the Washington Post, always on top of everything with this team. And uh, Mike, good luck with the er, and safe travels on the flight back. And good luck, you know, getting that however hour and a half, two hours it is with them not doing something else. Thanks a lot, Greg. I'll see you, man. Sounds good, dude. I'll see you. That's Mike Jones of the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter as well. That is at Mike Jones WAPO. I love WAPO as an abbreviation. I think that's that's strong in the abbreviation game. Hey, you re- you read WAPO this morning? I did. One zero six seven. The fan. Greg Hoffman on 106.7 The Fan. Chris Russell joins us on the hotline now. And 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 if you follow on Twitter, you saw that he has more details on the Jay Gruden extension. Russell, you have news. <laughs> Hi, Craig. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm good. Good morning. Me, uh, as always. So so here's the thing. I mean, my first reaction to the contract extension was, oh, this is to correct a huge, huge uh, week of terrible PR for the Redskins, right? They're rallying around their coach. They're solidifying the franchise. They're, you know, doing all this. Uh, I, I was told within the last 15 minutes that this has been the plan and this has been in the works for a while from a Redskins perspective. However, to counter that, I I went to somebody else and I said, is this true? I said, you know, did you know about this? And, and there's somebody directly involved in, in the talks. And they said, and, and they said it may have been in the works, but they didn't approach us until last night. And it came together very quickly. And within the span of two or three hours, a two-year contract extension for Jay Gruden was done. So the Redskins apparently, according to one source, have been planning and thinking about this for a while. However, did not officially pitch Jay Gruden until last night. And again, this deal, this extension for two years, which does not call for any more power in terms of the contract. His role is still head coach. He's not a head coach and executive vice president like Mike Shanahan was. The role and the spelling out of power does not change, Craig, but I am told and I have been told all along that he has risen to number three on the organizational depth chart far ahead of Scott McLuhan. 
All right, we'll get to that point in a second, which is something you talked about a little bit in an article on DC Hot Read last week, and I talked about a little bit this morning. But when you look at the contract and the way it came to be, if this apparently has been something in the Redskins' mind for a while, uh, and it was just offered to Gruden last night, the logical question is why? Like, why, why did this happen now mm-hmm. and not yeah. earlier? It's a great question, and for that right now, I don't have the answer. I'm still working on that. Um, I, I, I would tell you this, that I think they realized that, you know, they didn't have to do anything for Jay Gruden, um, that he was content at having two years left on his deal. Uh, however, I think they realized, and where the genesis of this started when, you know, rightfully so, Gus Bradley and others said, I'm not really comfortable with the whole structure there of this being a lame duck here. And then as they realized further and and more importantly, that it could, it could help the Kirk Cousins contract extension talks where Kirk knows there's some stability, at least contract wise for the only head coach that um, you, or I'm sorry, for the only coach that 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 is left that has a strong belief I, well let me rephrase that because that's that that's not right for the head coach that has been in place that strongly believes in him this provides more stability for kirk cousins to think about as he ponders whether or not to lower his price and maybe sign up for the redskins for a couple of years so again the genesis of this has been in in the works for a while why it all came together just specifically last night listen your guess is as good as mine i, I despite what i'm told that this had nothing to do with reversing bad pr I think it would be illogical of us to think that, boy, this is an incredible timing for the Redskins to kind of take the bad taste out of some people's mouths. Well, yeah, and, and it works to their favor, too, in free agency. But I guess the sure. question is, is like, all right, you guys realized as the Gus Bradley thing was happening that this this was a problem and we didn't we didn't think to offer it then. That's kind of silly. Does that surprise you, Craig? No, of course not. Yeah, I'm right. just I mean, it out. I mean, I mean, they they are a day late and a dollar short in literally figurative and literal terms in almost every major decision they make outside of Josh Norman. All right, Chris Russell's with us here on the fan. Craig Hoffman with you here on a Sunday morning. All right, let's get to the power thing. What what does this actually translate to in the decision making mm-hmm. process of whether it be Kirk Cousins or free agents from other teams or free agents for their own team? If say Jay Gruden now is like, hey. I want Deshaun Jackson back because he unlocks my entire offense. How mm-hmm. does this contract and the the ever-changing power structure more in Jay Gruden's favor uh, change uh-huh. the likelihood of something like that happening? Well, listen, money is still going to be the main factor for all of these guys, but I, 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 think, I, I think when we're talking about Jay saying, look, this is what I need, this is what I want, you know, and that growing power more than just a normal head coach with a GM, president, owner structure. I think that's going to certainly help. Do, do I think it guarantees anything? Of course not. But I think when it specifically comes to Kirk Cousins and specifically to Deshaun Jackson, I think it's going to help. I think it also works against Pierre Garçon from what I've heard. Um, Again, I want to be careful and say I don't know that for sure in terms of if that means the door is closed on Pierre Garçon. I'll just say that I've I've heard similar. Okay. So we're both in lines in in terms of similar thinking that it – 
if one of the two comes back, it is more likely that it is Deshaun Jackson than Pierre Garçon. Now, again, does that guarantee that they're going to just blow out the budget and go and try and sign Deshaun Jackson to a $13, $14 million average annual value? No, it doesn't mean that. Do, do they face stiff con- Yes, of course. But I'm telling you, and I think you would agree, it certainly increases the odds that guys that are on the fence about coming back to the Redskins, Kirk, Deshaun, if they have a good relationship with Jay and they know Jay has their back, then they might be willing to take a million or so less per year on average or a little bit less guaranteed money to give Jay that loyalty back. So I think this helps figuratively, publicly, and privately. I think even bigger than that is just if, if two teams offer even deals and the Redskins are one of them, this this more pushes that. I don't know how many players are really truly going to, especially guys like Kirk in a first payday or Deshaun in a last payday, are going to say like, oh, no, this other team is offering more. So it's going to depend on their leverage and what else they have. Sure. But in, sure. in terms of the feel goods and their, their ability, and obviously Kirk is not going to have another offer on the table, um, the likelihood that they accept here it, it certainly goes up. Um all right, the power structure is what we're talking about now. You can read more about this on dchotread.com where Chris Russell wrote about it last week. Um, where, if power, actually, let me ask this first, and then we'll get to, to yeah. where Scott McLuhan reenters the equation. But is this, right. is this an actual restructure of power, shifting of power, or is this us learning about a power structure that has existed behind the scenes for a long time that in fact Jay Gruden has had this power for a while and we are now finding out about it or has some of the power actually shifted out of Scott McLuhan's hands and into Jay Gruden's? Well, it's a great question. I I would say this. From what I've been told multiple, multiple, multiple times and others have backed this up uh, in general terms but not specifics like one source has, has been adamant about the one source says that, that that Scott has never had power, uh, that it's always been the Bruce Allen show. Now, what has, I think, transpired over the last two years is that Jay has risen and has gained more power, more input, more control as the trust level in him has grown, as the product on the field has grown, as the as the numbers have grown, as the winning has grown. So I think Jay's star has been slowly on the rise for a, for a while. This didn't just happen last week or two weeks ago or two months ago, but I think Bruce has always had ultimate power, ultimate control over, over Scott and everything. Uh, Scott, from what I'm told, has had very limited, if no power, over the time, entire time he's been here, and that Jay, again, has been steadily and slowly on the rise in terms of working more hand-in-hand with Bruce and saying, again, specifically, we're making decisions together. Bruce obviously has the ultimate authority, and I guess so does Dan, but ultimately they trust Jay a lot more than Bruce did at the end of 2014, uh, really even throughout the 2014 into 2015 season and offseason. Chris Russell with us here on The Fan. All right, you were all over the McLuhan story, so I guess where we're at now is an, is an episode of what happens next. And mm-hmm. you've reported that you expect Scott to be back in work and probably soon. When he gets back, what does he do and, and when does that happen? And I guess I'd ask this too. If all of a sudden he's not back, at what point, yeah. how, many, how many days do we get till we become concerned and start having to ask more questions? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think there should be concern and radar and all that stuff uh, up. You know, for anything at any point here, I don't know if he specifically is back yet. I haven't been told that, so I want to, you know, be careful. I, I don't know that, uh, and and it kind of got lost in the wash, you know, from everything else that happened. Uh, but I would say this: if and when he comes back, uh, and if he's already back, it's a matter of semantics, from what I've, you know, what I've heard. It, it, he is literally, uh, as it's been described to me, just a scout. I mean, a personnel guy who is really smart in in that area, and they are using that information to their advantage. But um, it is not a decision making role. It is not a running anything, draft boards, G free agency decisions, anything like that. From the way it's been described to me from multiple people, uh, and so I would say this. Um, from what I've heard all along, they're trying to get through May in order to figure out what to do next. And at that point, and that is a wide ranging um, issue, um, but they don't know if they're going to be able to make it through May. And this has been a huge distraction and it's taken a lot of time. And, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, Craig. I mean, I hate to be so vague, uh, but, you know, it could happen Something could happen to end this at any point, at any day, and especially, I would think, um, with the Gruden extension now done, with free agency on the horizon here, with Doug Williams taking on more power, I I wouldn't be stunned at all if you see a promotion of Doug Williams to GM after they get a resolution to the Scott McLuhan situation. Very, very interesting. Yes, a distraction when you have to cover it up constantly because you're incompetent tends to take a lot of a lot of effort and that could be put forth elsewhere dude you've been you've been awesome on this stuff really really pr- i told you this via text the other day and now i'm just same thing i did to you to mcnally on thursday night embarrass you on the air and say i'm proud proud to work with you uh you did a great job with this continue continue the good work and uh we'll keep talking and, and figuring out where this thing's going moving forward Thanks so much, Kyle. You're doing a great job, and we're uh, we're all happy to have uh, all of us on the same team. And and you know, radio dominance 101, right? Yes, so, uh, yes, I appreciate indeed. That very much. It's Chris Russell with us here on 1067 The Fan, uh, and you'll keep seeing his reporting uh, again at WrestleMania 621 on Twitter, uh, com and thefandc.com, where you can get all of that. Beanmac, how you doing, my man? You surviving? Uh, surviving. Got a flight home here in a couple hours, Craig. It's been uh, kind of a wild week out here. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say at all. Um, when when you found out last night, Jay's gotten a two-year extension that he's signing. What was your reaction? Well, I mean, I, I think the immediate reaction is well, that actually makes sense. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was the big question, Craig, that kind of lingered over. Um, every decision this organization has upcoming, including the Kirk Cousins negotiations. Because if you go into that, if you go into free agency, um, players and their agents are going to want to know, who's, who's my coach? Who's my coach going to be? Who am I playing for? Um, and when you're in year four of a five-year deal, uh, Jay Gruden didn't have a lot of leeway um, uh, on the outside. You know, the, the, uh, only the Redskins know what it would have you know, taken to, for him to lose his job next year, but, but certainly... Um, when you have a coach in that situation, they have to have a good season uh, or he's in trouble going into the final year of his contract. And that uh, instability 
uh, carries over into free agent negotiations. Um, it carries over into a host of, of decisions, including as we saw uh, over the uh, over the, the the January coaching search, where you're trying to put a staff together. It, it's tough to attract top talent when they're not sure how long you're going to be there. Now people have a better idea of that, and uh, and it's helpful for the helpful for the organization, and and I think uh, probably the prudent move given everything that they're facing coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. I know you've been been trying to track this down last night and then again this morning. We're now we're all trying to fill in the blanks of like, how, how did this come together? Do you have any idea at this point of, of how the timeline of what this how this came together from when it was first conceived within the Redskins organization and then presented to Jay, which it seems like was last night for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I certainly it had to be in the last, uh, say, 10 days, I would think, because... I don't know. Um, I didn't have any sources telling me. In fact, I had sources saying that that contract talks weren't imminent. Um, you know, but a couple of weeks ago. So give it within the last couple of weeks. If this was the Redskins' plan all along, I think Chris Russell just told you that that uh, that sources had told him they had been planning uh, for a while to do this. Um, you know, it, it it certainly seems like. Uh, that was fast-tracked here at the Combine. I mean, it, obviously it makes sense. Everybody's here. Um, you know, Gruden's agent, Bob Lamont, is not a hard man to find or track down uh, in, in, in Indianapolis during this week. Uh, everybody knows where he is. You know, contract talks are easy in this situation. Um, and so I think that probably, uh, probably the team had an idea they wanted to do it and knew this was uh, a good week to kind of make, hammer out the details and make it happen. The thought that teams react to the media, I think, is a lot of times overplayed because media can be self-important. But I'm going to ask this question anyway. About five hours before this contract extension gets done, Mike Jones posted a piece on the Washington Post website. At Combine, the perception of the Redskins is that that of a franchise in disarray. And he goes on to chronicle not just other teams thinking that, but agents of team, or agents of players that uh, were very of interest to the Redskins saying, like, I don't know who's in charge. They're a mess. And I'm sure you talked to similar agents. So one, can you kind of add to that from conversations you've had with agent? And two, do you think that an article like that getting posted perhaps could have been the impetus for getting this done in shotgun wedding fashion? Uh, the perception, yes. The specific article, no. And it was it was a well uh, well done article, well researched. Um, you know, and and that you know, I think that perception was out there. I mean, it, it really dominated the topic out here, Craig. Like, if if I went out somewhere for dinner, you would have agents or other executives or just you know people you know in the business saying like, "What is going on over there? Like, they're they're falling apart. What is happening?" And that once that gets going, it is very difficult to counter it, to stop it. Um, and so, no, I don't, I don't specifically think like the article hit and then the Redskins, you know, sit, called Bob Lamont and said, we got to get a, a deal done here. But right. I think they've known for a while that this question needed to be answered sooner than later. I mean, you, you can't go into the Kirk Cousins negotiations and have any hope of, of signing him long term if he doesn't know who his coach is going to be, what offensive system he's going to run. Um, you know, he's had a year with Matt Cavanaugh now uh, as a quarterback's coach, and I think has a, a, a likes him a lot. Um, you know, so all that stuff matters. And if Kirk goes to the team and says, you know, his batting ideas back and forth on a long-term deal, but they can't offer him stability, 
why would he not choose the free agent route? Why would he not choose to just play on the franchise tag next year and then and then move on? So I, I don't think it was in direct relation to the article, but it, it absolutely is in direct relation to the perception in the industry uh, that the organization is on shaky ground. And, and this helps stabilize things in the short term. Now they still have to exe- execute the other decisions that will make them um, better in the long term. And I think that's typically how it is. Is that like, oh, this article said, no, no, no. The article was on a reality that existed and the reality is why uh, they're making these decisions. Brian McNally, our Redskins beat reporter with me, Craig Hoffman here on 106.7 The Fan. All right, now that, that Jake Gruden is in the fold, what is the timeline for what is next for the organization? And I will leave that open-ended, whether that means the return of Scott McLuhan, a free agency meeting with a specific uh, person uh, or about a specific player like what what's the next big piece of Redskins news that happens in your mind well I mean obviously they they still have time here to to do deals with um, you know Chris Baker Deshaun Jackson Pierre Garcon there's no indication they've reached out to, to Pierre's side even as, as late as a couple of days ago so um, again as we as we've seen the Redskins can can move swiftly here but they've left you know, it's one thing to do that with a coach who's under contract. It's another thing to try that with a player who in a couple of days will have options on March 7th. Uh, all three of those guys can start officially talking to other teams. Now, look, I mean, in reality, they've, their agents have been here at the combine all week and talking to other teams. I mean, maybe it's tampering, but it's, uh, impossible to prevent, to prevent that totally. So March 7th, uh, officially, the NFL allows agents and, and teams to start discussing figures that certainly were discussed here this week. Um, and then we'll see where the Redskins' priorities lie. I mean, with with Jay back, to me, that says they would make more of a run at Deshaun. I think most people would agree with that. And uh, again, Pierre's side hasn't really had a whole lot of contact with them. So uh, the writing seems to be on the wall there. Um, it, it, you know, th- those are their main priority free agents. Vernon Davis, I guess you can add to the list. Um, and then, you know, and then you got to find a way to, to go get some help. Um, and, and that, that remains to be seen. I, I don't know who they're targeting in free agency, but we do know, um, what the, the, the needs they have, obviously. So on the defensive side of the ball, they have to get some help. And, uh, and I, I'm sure that's going to be their focus here the next couple of days, as well as trying to retain at least some of their free agents here. I guess now is you're my third interview uh, of the morning talking about all of this. I should probably ask you about the guys who, who actually are at the Combine for the job interviews. Is there anyone that, that stuck out from the Redskins side of this? Or did you even have a, a chance to talk to any Redskins people about any of the college guys? Or was there so much else going on that that, that somehow became a back burner issue? I, yeah, I'm not going to lie, Craig. Like, the Combine took a total secondary role this week in terms of, like, my focus on it, um, you know, you'd see like uh, Ross's time yesterday and the, right. the media room kind of erupted in, in che- almost cheers or gasps. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but, you know, that that stuff um, mattered for sure, but not in the way, you know, the, the, the front office uh, dealings, I think, were, were so much more the forefront, at least for the Redskins. Now, it was still a big week for them, and they still had all their, you know, everybody but obviously Scott McLuhan here. Um, you know, interviewing players, talking to people, um, getting a sense, really building on what they already know. I mean, you, you come into the combine with a a huge set, you know, set of um, 
assumptions about players and, and the film work you've done on them. And, uh, you know, then you come in here and try to confirm it. You know, are they, are they as fast as you think? You know, do they live up to their tape? All that stuff. But as far as specific players, I mean, you know, you see guys that you think could be middle of the first round picks and good fits, but, but nobody in particular that you think, oh, that's, that's a definite possibility for them to draft. Do you think there's any chance, speaking of the darling of the com- – well, he was the darling of the combine yesterday. Miles Garrett just leaped 41 inches, and he ran a 4.6. So, yeah, right. Um, that, go ahead. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report just tweeted, turn in that card, Browns, as in just go ahead and draft him now, which is the <laughs> right move. Uh, but yesterday's darling was, was John Ross with that 4.22. Is there any chance that the Redskins would look at him in round one if he's there at 17 and they're not able to bring Deshaun back, or are they definitely going defense? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd I never want to say a team is definitely going defense, and I think it would be silly for any team really to say, okay, well, we have a big need on this side of the ball. Let's, you know, look, look if you have Tom Brady, you probably don't need to draft a quarterback, right? But, I mean, probably. the Redskins certainly have questions at wide receiver, too. Um, if you let both Deshaun and Pierre go, hey, a guy who can run four two two and works with Deshaun Jackson, not a bad way to replace the man himself, uh, especially a guy who's, um, you know, 10 years younger. So, you know, that's uh, certainly a possibility. Um, you know, it, a lot of other factors come into it other than speed, obviously. We, we've seen fast guys before. Uh, so they will have had to like his tape anyway as a, as a receiver and a playmaker. There's a lot to like there. Um, you know, I think going into this, that may have been a little bit high for him but at 17. But, you know, like I said, the skill set is one they need, uh, and he certainly is an explosive player. So, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not going to rule out anything for the Redskins in terms of, of what side of the ball they they pick. But whatever they do, they have to get help defensively. So um, you know, it's it's going to tilt their decision making a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but were you actually like in the building uh, watching? Like, did you, could you see John Ross run live? I guess in person, or were you watching on a, on a television in a back room, media room? Or something? No, they 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 do not. They only let a handful of of writers down gotcha. um, onto the field level. We actually. The majority of the 300 reporters there, Craig, honestly, don't see a thing because uh, they're just watching NFL Network in the media room like everybody else uh, because, you know, the workouts are, are being conducted uh, across the street at Lucas Oil Stadium and, and we're in the convention center. So mm. you really don't see any of that in person. Uh, so we were all kind of watching along with everybody else when uh, when Ross broke out, broke out that time. It was uh, It was kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see him run that in person. He just made it look so easy, which is ridiculous. Um, great work this week, man. Uh, really enjoyed following along all the stuff. Uh, probably enjoyed following along more than you did having to do it in all the work to produce it. Uh, get some rest uh, and come back because there's more chaos to come. Uh, Brian McNally, appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll see you when you get back here. Thanks, Greg. See you in a few days. The national anthem at soccer games has been a, a point of contention since last fall. Uh, especially when Megan Rapinoe is playing. She, like Colin Kaepernick, decided, or after Colin Kaepernick, in in cahoots with Colin Kaepernick, who, by the way, has changed his stance on this recently um, for his own financial gain, which is fine in his prerogative, um, has decided to kneel during the national anthem. Rapinoe is a star on the national team level. And before anyone goes, oh, women's soccer... You have to understand the passion that the fan base of that team has. It is as intense as any 
sport that I've dealt with. And, I, and I've talked about this before. Um, I did an interview last year with DC native Allie Krieger. And the immense and intense interest in that interview from people interested in everything she does was mind-blowing to me. It far surpassed in intensity, even if not in size, anything else really that I could remember having done. And that includes interviews with Redskins players. The the feedback is just, it's different. And these, these, these fans seek out everything about them. And so within that world, Megan Rapinoe, because of roles she has played in major, major moments in the success of the U.S. women's national team, is an absolute star. And she decided, I'm going to take a knee. And really, she was the first white athlete to do so, of note, uh, which, which in itself was something interesting. Um, and she said, you know, hey, as, as someone who is gay which she is, um, I see a treatment of minorities in a way that I don't like. And I see that could be me. And I don't like the way that we are treated in this country. I don't like the way that black people are treated in this country. I don't like the way this, that, or the other minority is seen in this, or treated in this country. And until I see changes, I'm not going to stand for the anthem. So why is this a story now? Why am I talking about it now? As Rapino and her teammates, including Krieger, by the way, are coming to RFK on Tuesday night. On February 9th, the U.S. Soccer Federation's board of directors announced that any national team player wearing the uniform or, or is required to, quote, stand respectfully during the national anthems. The penalty for a failure to follow the policy uh, were unclear. The penalties were unclear per a New York Times report. To me, this is strong-handed and completely lacks an understanding of what the flag stands for. And this is not unlike an issue that or some of the issues that we're seeing play out in much different terms and much greater terms. And it's a lot of the same stuff we talked about with Kaepernick. Does the, fla- the flag stand for symbolism or reality? Does the flag stand for the military or and the rights they defend or I guess the military defending the rights or the rights themselves and using them? Because there's some people that argue kneeling for the flag shows a lack of respect for the military that fought for your rights while there are others, and I would put myself firmly in this group, that in fact, you could not show more respect because you were actually using them. You were not taking for granted your right to free speech. To me, an organization like the U.S. soccer taking the stand is, is just, it's a bad move, and I would think about it this way. Because I think a lot of people will let their own national pride, their own pride in the flag, which is fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't have pride in the flag. If, if the way you see what the Stars and Stripes stand for is all of the things that, when acted upon, make this country phenomenal. But if, if you saw somewhere else in the world where you thought that people were being oppressed, 
if you saw that country's soccer federation depressing the individual athletes' right to free expression, you would be pissed. You would say what a travesty it is. You would say, oh, I can't believe that the whatever national team is not letting their players express themselves in what they believe to be human rights violations or they believe to be uh, some sort of protest towards the status quo in that country. But now all of a sudden, because... because and, and the reason is, by the way, is because that would be anti-American in, in the things that we stand for as a country, supposedly, allegedly, in our ideal world. Freedom of expression, equality, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men are created equal. All of that. How dare you suppress that athlete? But for whatever the reasons, and I'm not going to get into the nuance of a lot of things that will turn a lot of people off to this conversation, and because a lot of it comes down to messaging and phrasing, and it's just, it's compli- These things are complicated, and that's okay. They they it, we're talking about hundreds of years of history wrapped into this that we're trying to squeeze into a 15 minute segment while trying to do this intelligently. If If we saw that somewhere else, we would say it's un-American for all the reasons I just said. But now, because many people do perceive that, or they tie our flag to the military, in many ways because we've been brainwashed to do so, through sports in a lot of ways, the the service members being at NFL games and this, this tie that sports and military and the flag have had for years, there is immediate pushback. And immediate applause for U.S. soccer for making these athletes stand in line. And what I'm telling you is, the more research you do on the history of the flag, the anthem, and sports, and how all of these things intertwine, and the military as well, and the more critical thinking you use, I find it really hard to believe that you wouldn't look at this as suppressing of the First Amendment right to expression. At the same time, any private organization has the right to make their own rules. I understand that as well. That, that is not lost on me. Because all of the First Amendment does is say that you won't get arrested. Private organizations have the right. But to me, if the whole goal is to be American, and like, oh, yeah, you're wearing the flag, there is no greater way to express that. There's been no greater force in our history to for change for the good than the ability to protest and to, and to make a voice heard and to take away that platform from these athletes to me is wrong. Uh, let's go to James and Stafford. James called in real quick. James, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Hey man, I completely agree with you. It's, it's not necessarily trying to be uh, against the country or anti something. Like you said, it's the ability to use that, which you're being protected to use uh, for a platform that's going to produce change. And it's not necessarily like he was trying to get a new con- uh, contract while he was with my team, the Niners. Mind you, he had a, a shoulder injury that he was trying to get treatment for uh, when he had a post team and told him to, to bench him for a while so he can get that address. So he's doing all that and then mean. He risks a lot to try to put to a conversation something that has evidence that is a real problem. And I'm just glad that, you know, 
he's able to do that while producing change with the donations of the uh, co- uh, companies that he donated to and the uh, program he started to inf- uh, enlighten more youth that aren't aware about what your rights are so you don't get into situations that are making these conversations to begin with. James, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I'm glad you circled back around to Kaepernick. I'm going to note this real quick. I think a lot of people go, oh, fraud. Kaepernick says that now that he's a free agent, he's he's going to try to eliminate uh, distraction by by not kneeling anymore. Like, sometimes you got to take care of yourself, man. The idea of being selfless is great at all times if you can, but at some point, reality sets in. There are certain things I won't say because I know I would get in a lot of hot water that I can't afford to be in. There are some things Colin Kaepernick can do or can't do because he's now a free agent. And he, he risked a lot last year. But the time is now for him to, to continue his NFL career. And so he's made a decision, and that is every bit his right as the right to protest in the first place. We were talking about the U.S. Soccer Federation's decision to make all players stand for the national anthem, stand respectfully for the national anthem. I guess that prevents someone from, like, turning around and turning their back on the flag in their eyes. That would be disrespectful. Um, And some of you called in immediately, so let's go to the phones real quick. 800-636-1067. John's in Arlington. John, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Hey, Craig. How's it going, man? Good. Enjoy listening to you on the radio, man. You've been doing a great job. Thank you. Um, because I, I, I really do agree with, uh, with, with your, your opinion on this. As a 25-year Army veteran, uh, I strongly disagree with, with this form of protest, but uh, there would be nothing I would ever do to limit someone's right to protest in this way just because I happen to disagree with it personally because, you know, it, it, it does not entitle me to, to deprive someone else of their First Amendment right. I think there's, you know, I, so the Kaepernick thing and the, the football players that were that were doing this, I had I had no issue with it. I, I was saddened by it, but it, it did actually make me think a little bit more about what you know what could actually be done. What was going to be enough for these guys to to decide? Okay, now I've seen enough change, you know, because you can always find something, right? Um, but I think with the Rapino situation, the reason I felt a little differently about that is that she has gained her fame by playing for this country and and. So I do feel a little bit differently about somebody wearing the colors of the, of the country, being willing to play for and benefit from the fame associated with representing the country, but then, you know, choosing, choosing this kind of, um, you know, this kind of disrespect uh, as, as a way of protesting. So I guess I feel a little bit differently. I'm not sure I agree with the way the Soccer Federation has just said you're going you're gonna to stand, and, you know, and, and, and that's that. So I'm, I'm happy that it's not my choice to make and, and uh, that I don't have to, you know, develop the policy. But I wanted to also just mention something to you. You know, there's, a, there's a, a task force, and I can't say much about it, but it's thousands of people dedicated around the clock all the time uh, to finding U.S. citizens who are held against their will around the world as hostages. And these, these people spend, you know, they burn the midnight oil figuring out where these people are, and then some of them go into harm's way in an attempt to rescue them. And the only question those people are asking about whether they should go and find and risk their lives and risk the, the, the treasure and the blood of American servicemen is, is this an American citizen? They don't ask their politics. They don't ask what mm-hmm. color they are. They don't ask if they're gay, straight, 
In fact, a lot of people are in those places because of their politics, you know, caused them to be abroad in serving with these different organizations. So I would just make sure that everyone tries to keep a little bit of perspective about what it really is to be an American. We're pretty damn lucky to live here. And I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks. John, I appreciate that call more than I could ever possibly uh, say. And first and foremost, thank you for your service. Um, and I think there's, look, there's a lot to unpack there because it's incredibly nuanced in a lot of different ways. And I, I would say my only points of contention are two things. And it, one of them is just a matter of perspective. What he sees as, as like, taking, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but kind of taking advantage of, or at least at the very least utilizing the, the platform to gain fame and notoriety of the U.S. national team and then deciding to not stand for the anthem, I would say is not meant as disrespect. And I think that intent matters. I would say, in fact, it's an utmost respect for saying that the, the standard of what someone like Megan Rapino expects out of this nation is that high that, hey, I need to bring attention to the fact that we are not currently meeting that standard. And when I say we... I mean, we as a collective nation, and that is mostly here at home, which is to not conflate it with the people like John mentioned that are doing amazing work at home and overseas and and are putting their lives at risk for people who are American citizens, regardless of politics, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of anything other than the fact that they are an American citizen. And that is kind of the, sh- the trouble with this, f- this protest. And I, I also want to make sure before I say this, I say that no one's doing this for my or anyone else's validation. They all have their own reasons, and that is the point. That is fine. But at some point, I also look at this as someone who has studied communications, and the, if the point is to make a, is to make a point you have to make sure that the people who are supposed to receive that point are able to. And that's why I'm not going to go to the point of saying that I am more concerned with how they are protesting than the protests themselves. That is something Martin Luther King specifically talked about uh, in his 1964 letter from a Birmingham jail, which I think should be recommended reading for all humans. Uh, and that if you're more concerned with, with how, like if you understand the protest, and are more concerned with how it's happening, and you choose to focus on that, that's a you problem. You're more concerned with order than justice. I'm more concerned with justice than order. And I would. it sounds, obviously, as someone who fought for justice for 25 years in our military, that John, who just called in, would be on the exact same page. The confusion comes because there is so much nuance, and there are so many layers to not just a protest involving the flag, but the flag itself. And it goes back to something that I, I talked about a lot with Kaepernick, and that is, does the flag represent the reality of this country, which has a lot of complicated history, much of which is not pretty, especially when it comes to race relations that Kaepernick was protesting, or does it represent the ideals that this country stands for of equality, Life, liberty, happiness, or in the pursuit of happiness and justice for all and all men being creative equal. Unfortunately, I only have 20 seconds left in the show, so that's where we have to end it. But it's food for thought on a Sunday as the U.S. Women's National Team comes here 
on Tuesday. Okie dokie. That'll do it for this tier podcastable program. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can contact me in a multitude of ways on Twitter if you're into that kind of thing. At Craig Hoffman, C-R-A-I-G-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. Hoffmanshow.com. If you have more than 140 characters worth of thought, there's a contact tab. That'll go to my email. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Snapchat because I'm a millennial, damn it, and I can't let my people down. Next up for me is the Train with the Best podcast tomorrow. Check out trainergorez.com for that with Chris and Lorenzo Alexander. Then next Sunday, Hoffman Show, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. with college basketball taking over the next couple of weeks. We will be light on the night shows. Thanks for listening on the radio and on here. I appreciate you, and I will see you next time on the Best of Hoffman Show podcast.